want to say that the average household has over 20 devices in it. And of course, why do we need all those devices? Apple told us that our smartphone would be the only device we would need. What electronic devices do you own? A smartphone, a computer, a tablet like an iPad, perhaps a gaming console, an MP3 player, a TV streaming device, a television set, a smartwatch, a smart home device, a smart thermostat, a smart speaker, smart appliances. In most cases, there are multiples of these items in the home. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Perhaps you're careful with your devices and use them for many years and make sure to recycle them if they break and cannot be repaired. Most people don't. The average person buys the latest version of a device as soon as they can afford it. And the old device, which may be perfectly usable, is likely to end up in the trash can as part of what is called e-waste, electronic waste. Where do all these rejected devices go? We're going to find out with my guest, Brad Rudisell, who is an IT consultant and technology writer. Brad's concern about the issue of e-waste is more than professional. In his own life, he limits his purchase of electronic devices. Even though my career is focused on technology, I am in many ways a technology minimalist in my private life and personal life. My wife and I each limit ourselves to a cell phone and one laptop. We don't have a smart home. We don't have all these tablets. E-waste is not the sole reason why I choose that path, but it is a contributory one. You know, when we talk about e-waste, what are the electronics that are involved? What is it that makes up that e-waste? It's the whole gamut of electronic devices. Think about your giant 65-inch TV. Much of it is plastic. And then your console, which is hard to dispose of. And then all of our tablets and our laptops have metal components and frames, and those things don't evaporate and go by the wayside and so what happens is that they collect in landfills or we send them off to third world countries and they pile up in huge multi-acre skies and then of course more and more household appliances are becoming quote smart are the electronics in those appliances becoming part of this e-waste oh yes i mean think about the ring device on our front doors. I mean, do we all really think that that ring device is going to be the last device we purchase for our front door? Of course it won't be. There'll be, in in like three years, there'll be another must-have gadget that we'll have to replace it with, and we'll rip off our ring and throw it in the trash can, and then we'll put the new gadget up there. And, of course, smart homes depend on sensors, and, of course, those sensors will be updated and, and disposed of. And all technology is 
about constantly refreshing. Uh, when you initially purchase that electronic device, the initial purchase is only the first part of the whole road you go down of patching it, updating it, and then one day replacing it with the better component. So, I also was thinking of things like electronic watches, you know, the health devices that right. people have. Oh, yeah. Those are part of this issue as well, right? I want to say that the average household has over 20 devices in it. Why do we need all those devices? Apple told us that our smartphone would be the only device we would need. Didn't work out that way. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Brad Rudisol. He's an IT consultant and technology writer. And we're talking about the huge problem of e-waste, electronic waste. In an article you wrote about e-waste, you referenced Moore's Law. What is that and how is it related to the problem of e-waste? Uh, Moore's Law was derived in the mid-1960s, and Moore's Law predicted that every two years, computers would double their processing power, which meant that your next computer would be twice as powerful as the previous one, or if you had the same amount of processing, it would be half the price. And so every two years, we have multiplied processing power as well as memory. And while there are certainly things that we need a powerful machine for, your average consumer just uses their devices to check email, text, you browse the web and look at Facebook. You really don't need a very powerful machine to do that, yet we all tell ourselves that we do. So we always buy the latest device that has the most power. Right, whether we need it or not. Whether we need it or not. And there's also this uh, built-in obsolescence, correct? Yes. We can debate your companies build the same quality products that they did 50 years ago. Of course, our ancestors will say that the appliances back then were sturdier and better. But there's also an idea of stylish obsolescence, no matter how good a quality that device may be, if the latest fad says, I have to have that style, then it really doesn't matter. Also, you can argue that companies are just creating the devices that we ask for. We want cheap devices that will only last as long as the refresh cycle, and so that's what they're making for us. And the number of electronic devices in use continues to go up. Can you give us some numbers on that? Yeah, well, in 2002, the one billionth computer was shipped at some point in that year. And then in 2007, only five years later, we shipped the two billionth computer, which just gives you an idea of the growth of things. Right now, there are two billion computers service and the world in 2022 will purchase more than 200,000 computers. Of course that contributes to making the problem of e-waste greater. Can we talk about the numbers there? What do we generate? According to the UN, uh, the world 
will create more than 50 million tons of e-waste. I've been told that is the equivalent of the Great Wall of China. The U.S. will constitute about one-fourth of that 50 million tons, with the average U.S. citizen responsible for about 50 pounds of e-waste a year. One example I like to talk about, because we tend to just think about computers, but a number of years ago, the hot video game on the market was Guitar Hero, which you might remember. And that game sold about 25 million units across the world. Let's assume that that toy guitar was also purchased with each copy. Well, that meant that we had 25 million guitars. Well, of course, the popularity of that game only lasted two years. And so two years later, we had 25 million guitars that nobody wanted. I know in my town, there was a used video store at one time and people would come in every day expecting that they could sell their guitar back to him for five or 10 bucks. And of course he would laugh at them and say, I have a room full of those things that nobody wants. And that's the conundrum, is we talk about recycling stuff, but when it comes to electronics, be it Guitar Hero or version 15 of your cell phone, that are the same reasons you no longer want it. Nobody else wants it either. So I want to kind of follow the chain. When somebody gets a new cell phone, new TV or whatever device, what happens to the old one? Can we kind of follow it to its eventual resting place? Uh, TVs and old computer monitors are the worst contributors to e-waste. And a majority of the states in the U.S. now make it illegal to throw away your TV or your computer monitor. In most parts of the U.S. now, if if you put your old 55-inch TV out for garbage pickup, the garbage service won't take it. So in those instances, you are forced to go to a center that accepts them. But the problem is, of course, that much of our devices are small. And so we can innocently and silently just throw them in the trash can. And it is the volume of all those small gadgets that adds to the problem. Now, of course, just because you drop it off at, at a recycle center or your county has a recycling program doesn't mean that it gets recycled. A good portion of what we think is going to be recycled is actually shipped off into a landfill or to a third world country as well. The e-waste generated from broken, obsolete, and other electronic devices that are perfectly usable, but discarded nonetheless, often contain toxic chemicals and metals. If they're not properly handled, those toxins end up in our environment, in the land and water. Let's uh, sort of follow that trail as well. When it goes to that third world country, what happens to it? Well, and... That's where the, I'm not sure if tragedy is the right word, but 
we ship them out of sight and out of mind to a third world country that doesn't have any regulations as far as the environment or is incapable of enforcing them. And what happens is that they are dumped off. Usually, the ship pulls in and it's just dumped right there on a coastal beach. They don't even spend the money to bring it inland 50 miles. And so you have this humongous pile of metal and plastic that just sits there. And of course, it's rained on. And then you have local companies that employ people to go through those piles of junk and retrieve stuff of value. What is a value that is retrievable? And is it easily retrievable and used? So when you say easily retrievable in those instances, what it really means is cheaply retrieved. And in those instances, millions of women and children are employed across the world in the e-waste retrieval business. And that's because many of the countries that this stuff is shipped to lacks human rights and don't have the protections in place that a Western nation does. And they're used as cheap labor. The horror is that little children are especially valued. And that's because their hands are very small and they can reach into uh, the pile easier and grab the, the CPU that's embedded in the motherboard or grab the hard drive or if they're after copper or a metal that has some current value. Now think about if those children are poking their arms in that pile of rubbish every day, and I'm sure they're forced to work long days, how many times their arms get cut? You know, their bodies are abused, plus they're exposed then directly to all the toxins, and children put their fingers in their mouths much more than an adult and wipe their eyes and other exposed to all that horrible stuff. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Brad Rudisel. He's an IT consultant and technology writer, and we're talking about e-waste, especially about how a lot of electronic waste is shipped overseas. And then children and women generally are employed to go through these piles of waste and possibly retrieve something of value. But there's also toxic materials, correct? Oh, yes. Well, the e-waste has a lot of heavy metals in there, such as mercury, lithium, lead, barium. And, of course, all this stuff is exposed to the elements and water goes and the toxins are dispersed into the ground, going into creeks, watering holes, underground water sources, thus polluting the water. It also ruins the land for agriculture. E-waste 
only constitutes about two to three percent of the U.S. total waste. It represents 70% of the toxic waste stream. China used to take a lot of this toxic waste, but now apparently has banned certain items. So where is it going then? Yes. So it used to go to China. I believe a few years ago that they started banning 14 categories of e-waste. And unfortunately, there's always a lowest common denominator out there that will accept it. Uh, some of those countries are Nigeria and India. But it's a number of companies throughout the African continent and Southeast Asia that we don't really know of. The Environmental Protection Agency and United Nations have programs to address some of these environmental and health risks. What steps are they taking? Well, the UN, I know, is trying to educate the world on the problem, and that's their main role. I know that they're trying to put in recycling technologies and systems into some of these third world countries where the problem exists. As far as the EPA, we're shipping our e-waste and passing the buck to somebody else. So I don't know what really they can do in that capacity. We have this idea in America that as long as the problem is taking place someplace else, that we're good. You know, it's, it's kind of the same premise as we don't want to drill oil in the U.S., but we beg Saudi Arabia to drill more. You know, so it's a very complex problem. Are there any corporations that manufacture electronics that, that are actually doing something about this issue of e-waste? Some of the large computer manufacturers do have buyback programs. There are companies who are creating business models out of recycling e-waste. There are some components of e-waste, that, such as hard drives, which must be recycled now, no, not because of the EPA, but because of cybersecurity regulations in which companies just can't throw away their hard drives with all the personal data of private citizens. And so a company has to take all their hard drives and then go to a hard drive recycling company where they get a certified proof that those hard drives have been properly disposed of. And usually those companies legitimately recycle the end components. So I think we're going to have to depend on entrepreneurs and businesses who will somehow be able to monetize the recycling of e-waste or whatever the solution is. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm speaking today with Brad Rudisel. He's an IT consultant and technology writer, and we're talking about the problem of e-waste, electronic waste. I know you talked earlier briefly about the idea of reuse. Are any of the electronics that we dispose of, perhaps here in the U.S., going to other countries where they're actually being used? There is an element of that. 
we are taking computers to African countries and other poor countries that don't have the resources to buy the latest and greatest equipment. The problem is that we're sending a hodgepodge of stuff. For instance, I work with school systems a lot, and if you think about all the school systems that now provide a laptop to all their students, let's just say you have 20,000 students, and that means 20,000 laptops. Well, we'll have people in our community who, out of the goodness of heart, want to donate the school system their old computers. But the problem is then that you have 40 computer models that the IT staff has to support. And it just becomes a nightmare having to support all that. And that's one of the problems too is, as I said earlier, all devices have to be patched, updated, and there's a whole cycle of maintenance and support. Is there anything that could be done at the point of manufacture to cut into this issue in any way? Well, uh, if you think about the first few cell phones you bought, you were able to replace the battery. When your battery started going bad, you just open the back cover, pull it out, pop a new one in. Well, now the battery is encased in the phone. So now when the battery goes down, you have to replace the whole phone. Computers used to be built in a modular design. So you had a motherboard, and then you had these components which plugged into the motherboard. You had the memory sticks, and you had your network card, and then you had a card for your printer, and so on. Well, now everything is encased within the motherboard. It's all one unit. And so if one little thing breaks, now I have to replace the entire unit, and it's cost prohibitive. So I understand that we're doing that to help cut costs. And again, you just can't blame companies because people obviously want cheaper and cheaper products. But then encasing everything as one unit really adds to this obsolescence. Plus, we have stylish obsolescence, as I mentioned earlier. And then, of course, now electric cars are coming on strong. Are those going to be part of this issue as well in our future? Oh, yes, because you have the elephant in the room uh, called the battery. Right now, that battery constitutes about $20,000 of an e-vehicle. And so what happens when that battery goes out in, let's say, seven years? Well... You'll have to just get rid of the car because the battery is half the value of the car. And so one of the things that I fear about EVs is that they won't be passed on amongst people. You know, whereas today you'll pass on your old car to your high school student or else you'll sell your 15-year-old car to somebody who just needs a junker to get to work. Well, with EVs, it's probably going to be like all of our devices. It'll have a shelf life, and it will dispose of it. Okay, so this brings us to the consumer. What is it that we as consumers should be doing to cut down on this issue of e-waste? I like to go by a philosophy of I own fewer things, but 
but when I buy something, I buy quality, and I buy it to last. And that's something that's not in the mindset of buying electronics for a lot of people. If you think about an antique store and how we value things that have been passed from generation to generation, and these things might even be worth even more money than they were when they were initially purchased. But that's not how electronics are. Uh, they're stale and lifeless once our interest dies and they have no value. We need to stop the obsession with, I have to have the latest features and the most powerful resources. And whether my phone is olive green or neon blue, because uh, all of these things, it, I always like to say it's easy to point our fingers at oil companies and other entities such as that. But yet, if we look at ourselves and how we live and our obsession with electronic consumerism, we're just as bad. That shiny new phone or other electronic device might seem all but impossible to resist. But considering the realities of electronics recycling, the better choice is to wait until your current phone or device is no longer usable. Adding to a toxic waste stream that has harmful effects on the environment and on people is hardly a desirable choice. The message just needs to be that of education and just making people realize where all of these unwanted toys are going. You know, it's like in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in the land of unwanted toys. Uh, we have lands of unwanted devices. Although instead of just a few toys like it was in Rudolph, it is billions of devices that are just laying there, decaying and adding to the destruction of not just the local environment and a danger to those people who reside there and, for God's sakes, have to work on those piles. But eventually, of course, all that is going to affect us one day too. We need to take care of our own problem. You know, you, you mentioned the EPA. Uh, rather than shipping our problem off, we should take care of it ourselves. Now, that's going to have cost because we're not going to allow e-waste to be piled up on someone's land. And, and we'll have to deal with it. And, of course, that's going to incur a lot of cost. And maybe that cost is embedded into the purchase of the, of the device. Well, I think, I think you're onto something in terms of personal responsibility because, I mean, that's, that's really the biggest problem, not just with e-waste, but with all issues related to environmental destruction, I think. Yes, it comes down to all of us. Only a very small percentage of discarded electronics in the United States are actually recycled. It's not just phones, computers, and tablets either. 
As we said at the beginning of the show, electronics includes a huge number of items found in the average home. Think of your ring device or your Alexa, your microwave oven, refrigerator, dishwasher, washer and dryer, printer, camera, gaming devices, DVD players, e-readers, MP3 music players, television sets, radios, headphones, electronic watches, heart monitors, sleep apnea machines. Phew! The materials that can be salvaged from these items are metals, plastic, and glass. Some of the metals are steel, nickel, tin, gold, silver, copper, palladium, and aluminum, which may be part of the electronic circuit boards or disk drives within the items. Then there are the batteries, some of which use metals like lithium and cobalt. There are only a few companies that are able to responsibly recycle the metals and other usable materials from electronics. The process is long and involved as materials have to be carefully sorted. Some are shredded for reuse. Others have to be cleaned and then separated. The reality is that most of our electronic waste is shipped to other countries where both the environment and the local populations are put at risk. Thanks so much for listening. Please tell people you know about the Mothering Earth podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform. Mothering Earth is also on Instagram at mothering underscore earth. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. Music.